This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the Hoist of Colors podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Igo. The HTC podcast is back, at least for this instance, as been getting a lot of requests. When are we going to talk about recruiting, ECUs, having some commitments for the 2023 class, pile up, of course, and well, every time I've gone to record or wanted to record or planned to record over the last few days, boom, ECU gets another commitment, and it's just been nonstop, basically. For the past week, as ECU went into mid-June with zero commitments for the 2023 recruiting class in football, since June 18th, they have added 10 commitments publicly that have announced their intentions for the 2023 recruiting class, and there are also a couple of silent commits, which we'll talk about on this podcast, that are set to announce either the, the remainder of this week or in the coming weeks. We'll talk about the targets that are left on the table for ECU. We'll talk about how many more spots are even available. I mean, this is a recruiting class that only has so many spots because you only got, I think, 10 seniors scholarship-wise on the roster. So how many guys is ECU going to take from the high school ranks, especially with the need or maybe not the need, but the possibility of portal additions down the line? You're always going to make those upgrades to your roster. So we'll get into what the numbers look like there. We'll start first with the actual commitments. Again, 10 pledges are in for the 2023 recruiting class. A lot of this, if you're following us on 24-7 sports, of course, you already know the names, you know the positions, all that sort of stuff. I'll give you a brief rundown on each guy, share some thoughts. You know, I've talked to a handful of these guys, high school coach. I've talked with sources around the program, talked with most of the commitments themselves, and yeah, I think it's just a really solid start to the class overall. I mean, they've hit several positions of need. Receiver and linebacker in particular and the edge room have all been upgraded in a big way. They've added a couple of offensive linemen. They've had a couple of DBs. So they've hit the major positions of need. Still no quarterback, still no running back, which I do think are positions of need as well, especially a quarterback at some point. In this recruiting class, whether it's a transfer or a high school kid, I think they're going to be patient there and don't reach for one. Um, we'll continue to talk about those guys going forward. But I think this is, I mean, you can't ask for a much better recruiting month. Ten commitments plus a few silent pledges. I think you're seeing the benefit of Mike Houston's first winning season, the facility upgrades, NIL. It was announced today, or on Tuesday actually, but uh, we put it out today that Team Boneyard – 
a group of ECU donors have come out with the NIL collective to benefit ECU student athletes. I think that's something that the the coaching staff can sell. I mean, obviously they're not allowed to come out and say, Hey, come to ECU for this amount of money, but they can point to, Hey, at ECU, our donors have created this collective. You guys could potentially benefit from that one day. So I think that plus the opportunities other guys in the programs have already had uh, are something that the coaches can use on the recruiting trail in terms of here's what your possibilities could be. And then adding the indoor practice facility, they have renderings now that's something they can sell. They've they've overhauled Ward, the locker rooms, the weight rooms, all that stuff. There's Town Bank Tower, the stadium. I mean, every commit I talk to is always blown away if it's their first time on campus. So uh, you've got the momentum for the winning season. You've got the facilities. You've got what's coming down the line. You've got NIL and ECU starting to check all those boxes for a lot of recruits. And now they're still not recruiting at the level of the Cincinnati UCF, Houston, some of the top teams in this league and some of the top teams in this region. I mean, that's going to take consistent, consistent winning at a very high level to kind of reach that stage. But, you know, I do trust this coaching staff on their in-person evaluations, and they've worked out a number of these guys. They saw them at camps, which led to committable offers. You've got some serious speed here in terms of some of those guys who have gone to camp, worked out, and gotten those offers that have since committed, and we'll get into some of that as we go through. So first, let's go through each one of the 10 commitments, and we'll give you some some brief thoughts on each, and then we'll talk about some of the, the themes of this class as a whole. Spoiler alert, the Peach State, Georgia, is a major theme of this class, and we'll get into that. And we'll start with a Georgia kid. He is the only guy right now who has a 24-7 sports composite score. All right, let me let me address this before we dive into the So I've been asked at least 15 times already, when are these guys going to get rated? When are they going to get evaluated by 24-7 sports? Look, that's largely out of my control. I don't have any influence on the rankings other than submitting a kid and saying, hey, here's what I saw from him at camp. Or here's what I've heard from sources, either at the high school or around the team. Um, you know, I can only submit those rankings and give my input. It's up to our national recruiting analysts to go in and do the rankings and do the updates. Um, and so it's going to take a little bit of time for guys to get rated. The other thing is 24-7 Sports only has one day a month where they actually publish all the recruiting rankings, meaning that Guys are getting rated as we speak, but you won't see it pop up in their profile until that day is. And I'm not sure when it will be for July. I would guess around mid-July. So I would think in the next couple weeks, you're going to see those ratings pop up. And then what will happen is, like let's say Rivals.com, they basically just go in and they slap, you know, the highest two-star grade on any ECU commit who's uncommitted or unrated at the time of his commit. So that's I'm not a huge fan of the composite when it comes to ECU's score because... I feel like the other sites don't quite do their due diligence, and that therefore that brings down the composite score uh, on several of these commitments. But the 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 actual rating you see when you go to ECU commitment list that will be the composite score, and so you've got to have multiple recruiting services, whether it be ESPN, Rivals, or twenty four seven Sports. I don't think on three, which is a new recruiting service in our rankings right now, although I do expect it to be added at some point you got to have multiple of those before a composite score shows up. Now, you can go to a kid's profile, let's say Zion Agnew, for example. He has a 24-7 sports evaluation, but his composite has not been updated yet. 
Therefore, he doesn't show up with a composite score, but he's got a three-star rating by 24-7 sports. He's ranked the 22nd best player in South Carolina. He's a mid-three-star, 85 overall. The three-star scale runs from 81 to 89. So um, we've had guys who have laid eyes on him at uh, different camps. He was at the Clemson camps. I think some of our guys saw him there and, and gave him a – a pretty good rating for a guy who doesn't have the biggest offer list in the world. So we'll get to him, but that's kind of how the ratings work. Again, I'm doing what I can to get ECU's commits rated, but largely out of my control. All right, let's start with the guy who has the long composite score as we sit here record this on Wednesday afternoon. It is Malik LeVarrett. I believe I'm pronouncing that right. I have not gotten the chance to talk to Malik yet. We're working on setting up an interview, but three-star wide receiver out of Greenbrier High School in Evans, Georgia. East Georgia, right near the border of South Carolina. And he's got probably the best uh, offer list, some of the best tape to go along with it in the 2023 recruiting class uh, on the ECU commitment list. He's got offers from the likes of Colorado, Indiana, Kansas State, Maryland, Middle Tennessee State, Minnesota, Troy, and Wake Forest. Ranked the 46th best wide receiver nationally by 24-7 sports, the 35th best player by uh, 24-7 Sports in the state of Georgia. The composite, again, one of the other services doesn't like LeBarrett as much, so he falls down to 101, but still a very good uh, wide receiver ranking nationally and 73rd best player in Georgia, which is just an absolutely talent-rich state. So 6'3", 200-pound receiver. Uh, The thing I like most about Malik is he runs very fluidly for a guy his size. He can cut. He can jump. He's got speed. And for a guy his his size, his height to move as well as he does, he's got number one caliber receiver written all over him if he continues to mature and develop. Um, so very excited about Malik. And I think he's very similar to Caleb Webb last year. And there's already been a lot of comparisons made there about, hey, I'm worried about losing uh, Malik LeVarrett to another team down the line. Well, I mean, honestly, that's not a bad thing. That means ECU's recruiting at a high level. Uh, there will be schools that continue to come after Malik, and that's fine. I mean, ECU would not be recruiting at the level they need to if that wasn't the conversation going on. So be glad that he's committed now and not committed to another school. It's much easier to hold on to a kid versus flip somebody like this. Uh, but it will be a battle. You know, I think he's got tremendous tape. I think it's only a matter of time before he even gets discovered by some more schools. But as long as ECU has a good year on the field, I think there's a very good chance they hold on to Malik, and I think it's a major addition because he's going to have the chance to come in and play immediately uh, at this wide receiver position with so many so many guys still kind of trying to find their way. you got some older guys who are going to graduate in the next year or two that have come in as transfers. So uh, I think Malik sees the opportunity to play pretty early at East Carolina. All right, next commitment comes from Dwight Johnson Jr. out of Dutchtown. In Hampton, Georgia, six foot, two hundred ten pound inside linebacker. Uh, Dwight told me last night when I interviewed him, he prefers to go by DJ. So I'm gonna start start calling him DJ going forward. Um, really, really talented linebacker, fast, could play will or Mike linebacker. Uh, so he could play middle or kind of the the will spot is more versatility, dropping the coverage, more speed. He's c- kind of got a a versatile. Uh, you know, set of skills in terms of what he can do because he, he's pretty good in coverage on tape. He can also stop the run, blitz, do a little bit of everything. So I see him as a guy who could potentially do both. Uh, and Blake Carroll's scheme 
had other offers from Tulane, which he also officially visited. Also visited Kansas, which he had an offer from Georgia Tech, Kansas State, Liberty, USF, Vanderbilt. And Dwight Johnson, I think, is a uh, a guy. In the past, I don't know if ECU gets DJ Johnson. I feel like they've been very close on several talented Georgia linebackers, but it's been tough to close the deal. And now you get a guy like DJ Johnson, along with the next guy I'm about to talk about, Julian Davis. We'll group these two guys together. Julian's another inside linebacker from the same area, uh, McDonough, Georgia, Union Grove. These guys are about 15 minutes away from each other. They're actually high school rivals, but they grew up playing uh, rec ball together, so they know each other well. Um, they actually they also know Keaton Mitchell. All three of these guys kind of grew up together. They hung out with Keaton during the official visit this past weekend, which led to their commitments. But Julian Davis, a little bit bigger, 6'2", 220, more of your traditional Mike linebacker, downhill guy, going to feast on, blitzing, just just creating chaos. That's what he does, man. I mean, you turn on his film, and for a big guy, this guy can really run. It's almost a little unorthodox to watch because he's so big. It's almost like awkward looking when he's running full speed and just running into people. So, you know, I think he's going to have to learn maybe to control his body a little bit more as he moves to the FBS level where he's got more responsibilities and more to read. But just you want to talk about athleticism, size, power. Julian Davis is a, uh, I mean, he, he's he's got a chance to be really, really good in this defense. Um, so he had offers from Charlotte, Connecticut, Georgia State, Indiana, Memphis, Tennessee, USF, and Western Kentucky, among others. Again, another Georgia kid out of Union Grove. Really talented. I love both these linebackers. You'll probably see another linebacker added in, t- in the mix as well. Um, and so I, I think this is a, and this was a major linebacking class in terms of the major need and Blake Harrell is off to a really good start. So really promising, uh, additions there between both those guys. All right, let's move now to the offensive line. ECU has picked up a couple of commitments who are somewhat under the radar. We'll start with the local kid, Bryce Weaver, DH Conley, six three two or 300 pounds. Projects as an interior offensive lineman. Was recruited by Steve Shankweiler, Johnny Kirkpatrick. His only other offer came from Elon. And so, you know, talking with people, I think that ECU really wanted to keep the D.H. Conley pipeline going here. And they wanted to give a guy who grew up an ECU fan, seems to have a chip on his shoulder from being overlooked, seems to really want this opportunity. They want to give this guy a shot. And you know, could they maybe have held this scholarship and used it on somebody else? Sure, but I think they believe in Weaver. He comes from a good family. He wants to be at ECU. And the other thing, too, is, you know, he came to ECU's camp last summer. He worked out then. They basically said, hey, we need you to keep developing your body. You do that. We'll think about offering you. That happened. And he took that advice, went home, came back last January, or this past January, had shaped up his body some, got the offer. Then was asked to, hey, come back to camp. Let's see you work out one more time, and then we'll make the decision. And he came to big man camp in late June, worked out for Steve Shankwiller again, performed well, and got the uh, committable offer and ended up committing on the spot, basically, when, when he talked with Mike Houston at the end of his official visit. So, yeah, Bryce Weaver, I think, I think is a guy who is probably going to have to play interior offensive line, but and he's going to need some development, but I think he can definitely be a guy who can contribute in uh, in a couple of years in the system, especially if he buys in, stays healthy, develops like many of the offensive line 
in this program tend to do under this staff. The other offensive lineman is a guy who is very much under the radar. Cameron Durant from Cane Bay in Somerville, South Carolina. But if you turn on his tape and you look at some of his film, and, I mean, this guy, is, he, he's just a big dude, 6'4", 300 pounds, and he moves well for his size. He's got strength. He's got a good body. I mean, he's going to have to, you know, reshape some things as far as making the transition to college. He mainly plays in a triple option offense now, very run-oriented, so he doesn't have many pass sets or pass um, much experience in a passing offense, but those things can be taught, and that's why you take a guy like this at ECU, he's got the natural physical ability. He's just got to develop his body in the weight room and then learn some things technique-wise, but uh, off the hoof, he looks like a really good offensive line prospect, and I'm honestly surprised he didn't have more attention, Uh, but a lot of it comes down to he just was not discovered by a number of schools. So I think he's the guy who, very reminiscent of Amari Allen, you know, in this past recruiting class, offensive lineman that had nothing else really going on, came to camp, crushed it, got the offer. Now he's enrolled early, or he enrolled this summer, and, and early word is that he's got a chance to be really good. I think Durant could very well end up being much of the same way. So there's your two offensive line additions. Still would like to see them add a, more of a, a lengthier tackle prospect if possible. They're also still involved with Jonathan Klein from Georgia as well. Uh, he could play tackle or guard. We'll talk about his situation in a little bit. But would still expect one more offensive lineman at least. And, um, you know, you want to add some length if possible. But obviously you want to take the best guy available. All right, moving on on the commitment list, we'll now flip to the defensive side of the ball. On the edge, we'll start with Kieran Davis from Blessed uh, Blessed Trinity Catholic in Roswell, Georgia. Davis is actually the son of Super Bowl champion New Orleans Saints, uh, former defensive lineman Charles Grant. So you got the NFL bloodlines. Grant was a first-round pick coming out of college. And, you know, obviously you got those bloodlines, which gives you – so you know, anytime you got a dad who played in the NFL, I think – just based off covering recruiting, things are going to work out pretty good. You know, two of the more recent examples, Keith Mitchell, his dad played in the league for a little bit. We see he's turned into a pretty good player. And then obviously Robert Jones, Zay Jones, uh, that worked out pretty well as well. So not that it's a guarantee, but it certainly makes you feel pretty good about just his knowledge of the game, the work ethic, all that sort of stuff. He's going to know what it takes to uh, to make that to make that leap to college and he was a guy that visited coastal carolina along with ecu took back-to-back officials actually visited ecu first and then went to coastal which made me a little nervous because i felt like coming out of the ecu official he was leaning pirates but anytime the other team gets that final official visit you know they get the last look all that sort of stuff worries you a little bit but ended up picking the pirates i think he just felt more comfortable in greenville Another guy who's projected to play on the edge, along with Michael Short, we'll talk about next. But uh, pretty good length, 6'2". Got a good frame. You know, he's up to around 235, 240. Uh, Good speed. I really love his tape. I think he's another guy who, to me, is going to come in pretty ready to play. I mean, he may have to develop, and obviously anytime you can redshirt and develop a guy, that's ideal. But I think he's a guy who's going to have have a chance to play early just based off his production. Uh, in, in Georgia and just his body type. Michael Short's the other edge player that ECU has added thus far in this class from Mallard Creek. 
another guy who's uh, got really good length. You know, a little bit of a tweener in terms of inside linebacker and outside linebacker, but ECU likes him as an edge. He's 6'3". He's a legitimate 6'3". About 220. Really smart, high football IQ offers from Cornell, Princeton, others. Um, so I think I think Short's got a chance to be a really good player too. I just wonder how long it's going to take him to kind of learn the edge position and how much he plays that because he's mainly played inside linebacker at Mallard Creek. He's done some edge work. But I'll be interested to see how much he plays this this senior season on the edge. Again, you know, not maybe as wide as Kieran Davis, but maybe a little quicker, a little more athletic, um, more speed. And, you know, the, the other thing, too, is he's got pretty good bend for a guy that's 6'3", which is always critical as a pass rusher. So you take both these guys, um, you know, Davis might be able to play a little bit earlier, but I think Schwartz a guy who could develop – in time as well and he just turned 17 so he's still growing and I think he's got a chance to be a special player in time and again now there's high IQ guy offers from Cornell from Princeton Penn Brown um you know other FBS opportunities with Memphis Navy Rice uh Connecticut Charlotte App State Army James Madison Liberty so you've got a good list here and a guy who's going to have a chance to um, you know, learn the defense quickly because of how smart he is, which is always important. All right, moving back to the defensive backfield, two guys from Georgia who committed along with Short on the first official visit weekend, Ty Adams and Gregory Turner. Adams comes from Swainsboro in Georgia. And the thing I like about most with Adams is he's just a playmaker and he's fast. I mean, the guy ran a 4-3-5-40 at the Mercer camp, which allowed or gave ECU the motivation to offer him a scholarship he mainly plays quarterback at Swainsboro so he doesn't have a ton of DB tape but anytime you're 5'11 175 and you can run a 4-4 yeah you're a pretty good looking prospect so uh, he had offers from you know Georgia Tech um, Charlotte Georgia Southern James Madison Liberty Middle Tennessee State and a guy that was just getting discovered in the summer during camp season when he ran that 40 um and again high school quarterback in georgia really good program finished just shy of a state championship last year you know that's the guy that i'm always taking if i'm ecu because those are typically the best athletes uh they're competitors they're winners and you know that he's going to come in and you know it's very similar to Jawan powell high school quarterback in the atlanta area when he's been healthy at ecu he's been a very good player uh, we we all know the Dwayne Harris story. High school quarterback in Georgia, moved to receiver. Everybody knows how good 17 was. Um, so I think Ty Adams has a chance to be a really good player. There will be a transition, of course, to learning cornerback and the ins and outs of it, but I think he's got the, uh, the, the size to build everything to be a solid player. The other Georgia kid, uh, as far as DBs, Gregory Turner, your ideal size for a safety, 6'2", 195. When I talked to Greg, he told me that when they showed him film, they kind of showed him what DJ Ford did, another bigger safety at 6'3", 200 pounds. So he's probably going to play the boundary where he can play closer to the line of scrimmage, utilize that size. Uh, but he's got pretty good speed for a guy that's 6'2". I mean, he doesn't have elite speed, but it's, it's definitely good enough. He could end up playing Sam, depending on how his body develops, which is where Jaira Wilson and uh, Gerard, Gerard Stringer play. Those two positions are pretty interchangeable. Turner had offers from Buffalo, Colorado, Indiana, Kent State, Middle Tennessee State, Tulane, and others. 
And then the final guy, we touched on him a little bit earlier. Zion Agnew uh, ran a 4-4 40-yard dash at uh, Clemson camp and a couple other summer camps, I believe. East Carolina saw him somewhere, and I know that he came to ECU camp, and they just loved his speed. They loved his explosiveness. He profiles as a slot receiver. He can play some DB, but he's going to end up playing slot here, at least start there. 5'11", 165 again. Beats teams deep all the time on his high school tape, but also has the ability to make plays after the catch, which to me, I look at this receiving corpse now, and I need more yak ability. Guys who can catch the ball short, make somebody miss, make an explosive play happen, uh, rather than just running by somebody and then hoping they catch the football. So I think Agnew's got some of that. He's just a gamer, needs to get stronger, needs to add some weight. You know, probably needs to get into the 175, 180 range, but he's got speed, decent size for a slot. Other offers from Charlotte, James Madison, and North Carolina A&T, but really, once ECU offered uh, and, and brought him on the visit, it was over. So there's your 10 commitments for the 2023 recruiting class as we sit here. Again, by the time I'm done recording, there might be another commitment. Who knows? Uh, but six from the state of Georgia, and that to me is a, a big deal. Uh, ECU's always recruited Georgia, but they have never landed this many high-quality commits from Georgia. And you look throughout their history, how many good players have come from Georgia. You know, we talked about Keith Mitchell, Dwayne Harris, Malik Fleming, just come to mind. I'm, I'm, I haven't even done any research, but Juwan Powell. Like, it seems like most of the players they take from Georgia, they end up making it to school and enrolling. Uh, they're all gamers, and it's very high-quality level of football. And I think the biggest thing we're seeing is now that Blake Harrell's been on staff a couple years, uh, he he has great ties to the area. Chris Foster has great ties to the area. He was at Georgia Southern for a number of years. Steve Shankwater has ties to the area. And specifically, those guys are now getting the chance to actually go on the road. You have to remember the pandemic and the ramifications from that basically kept this staff off the road for nearly two years. And so it's hard to build relationships and keep those relationships with the coaches going in those areas when you can't see them in person. But now actually being able to get on the road during January, during the spring, now you're seeing the benefits of that. You see the guys in person, you talk to the coaches, you get to know them, then you bring them on campus, and now we're seeing what what we're seeing, which is quality commitments, uh, for the 2023 recruiting class. All right, there's your brief rundown on how things stand now with the 10 commitments. On the other side, we'll look at some top targets, and we'll also look at guys who could commit soon, what to look for, how many spots are left, all that sort of stuff. You're listening to the Hoist the Colors podcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome back into the Hoisted Colors podcast. Earlier, we talked about the commitments for 2023. Let's now look at some of the targets at large who have yet to make decisions. Again, from my understanding, there are three silent commitments currently that are set to announce. I'm not going to say who they are. Obviously, I want to give those guys their moments, so they may or may not be on this target list. I do know one guy who I'm expecting to commit to ECU at some point. Really, we have not talked about him at all just because he's kind of been off the radar. And so when that news comes to light, it'll be a bit of a surprise. But um, we'll keep you updated on that. All right, so the one, I had a crystal ball change earlier this week. I originally had Traylon Mitchell from Southern Nash in North Carolina. I had him crystal balled to ECU. Pirates like him as a running back. He officially visited last week. From what I understand, was close, but wanted to visit Virginia Tech. And I lowered my confidence score on the crystal ball going to the Virginia Tech visit because obviously once those guys make that trip, it becomes a little bit harder to close them out. And Mitchell, I think, now is likely VT bound, um, barring a late change. So I've flipped that commitment or that prediction to a Virginia Tech commitment. And, you know, you hate to see a local guy like that get away, but you know, for whatever reason, guys from Southern Nash, I mean, just Nash County in general, from covering ECU recruiting, very hard to beat out ACC teams of any kind for those types of guys. Like They just seem to prefer to play in the ACC. It's worked out for some. For others, it has not. We'll see what happens with Mitchell if he does go to Virginia Tech. Um, great athlete, good speed. I think ECU may be the better fit for him as far as getting on the field, but, you know, can't blame a kid for going uh, where he where he wants to go, so hopefully it works out for him going forward. All right, another guy to watch who took an official visit elsewhere this past weekend was Jonathan Klein from Cartersville, Georgia. We mentioned him earlier in the show. Three-star offensive lineman, ranked 61st nationally as an interior offensive lineman per the 24-7 sports composite. He has officially visited ECU, Memphis, and Miami. I wonder at this point if he is a take for Miami. Miami had several high major recruits in for their official visit weekend, and I don't know. You know, we'll see with Klein if he if he even wants to go there. If Miami will take him because they got some four and five stars on the board as well along the offensive front. He also visited Memphis, which of course is an AAC program uh, in competition with East Carolina. Uh, this is a decision that I don't know when it will come. I've asked to interview Jonathan, and you know he just, for whatever reason, does not seem to want to do an interview. Like Some guys just don't want to do interviews on their recruitment, which I get. So it's been tough to get a fair read on the 6'4", 295-pounder. Um, I just don't know which way this one's going to go. I, I know he's told a lot of people around the ECU program he feels extremely comfortable. The most encouraging thing about Klein is he took an unofficial visit to campus like June 9th or 10th, and then came back the next week when he was invited back for his official visit and chose to come back a second time, which to me says he really likes the place. I mean, when you come back and visit somewhere for a second time in the span of a week, 
that's a very good sign for that school. And so I think he feels extremely comfortable at ECU. We'll see what he decides. Um, you know, probably projects best as a guard, but maybe could play tackle at ECU. And I think the Pirates really need a tackle. But uh, obviously, you don't turn down a guy like Klein, who's a, a big time talent, got several major uh, scholarship offers. So we'll keep an eye on him. You know, he could announce a commitment soon. Aiden Duncanson is a DB, also from Georgia who also visited this past weekend. I talked to Aiden for an interview. He told me right now, East Carolina's his favorite school. Uh, he is ranked the 57th best safety nationally by 24-7 sports. The Pirates actually seem to like him more as a corner. He's 6'2", 180, pretty lean, can run, so I can see why they like him at corner. Really good athlete. Could play safety maybe in time, but um, I think he's used the team to beat here, and I've been very close to making a crystal ball. He says he's going to talk with his family about where he wants to visit in late July once the dead period concludes. But, you know, it wouldn't shock me if he makes a commitment to ECU sometime in July. He would be a major addition, a guy with the offers from App State, Charlotte, Georgia Southern Navy, Toledo, Vanderbilt, West Virginia, Yale, and others. So another high IQ guy has several programs also kind of flirting with him. Uh, but I think Aiden, there's a good chance he becomes a Pirate and he would be a major addition if the Pirates can finish it off. Uh, Antonio Ferguson, tight end from Apopka, Florida. He was the lone tight end visiting this past week. I uh, feel very good about where ECU sits for Antonio. He has also visited South Florida. He's got an offer from the Bulls, and he's also visited UCF. You know, App State, Coastal Carolina's in there, FIU, FAU, Tulane. But um, you know, I think we could see a we could see a commitment from Ferguson soon. The only thing I would worry about is being from Florida. Is it too far away from home? You know, I don't know. But right now, I do like ECU's chances based off everything I'm hearing. Hopefully, in the coming days, uh, we'll get an announcement from Antonio Ferguson. Uh, Tay Seymour is a linebacker from South Atlanta. He is set to announce his decision on July 10th. He just took the official visit as well. I have entered my crystal ball for ECU with a confidence score of 7. I feel pretty good about Seymour committing to ECU on that July 10th date. Uh, another guy, projectable, really good speed, little undersized at 6'1", 200, but, man, he can run for a linebacker. And if you put him at will along with uh, DJ Johnson and Julian Davis, that's a heck of a linebacking trio for this recruiting class. So we'll continue to keep an eye on that one. Uh, Demoris Jenkins, 6'5", 200-pound athlete out of North Mecklenburg. He also officially visited this past weekend. No commitment yet. Really good size. Really projectable. Also plays basketball. Explosive athlete. Just needs to get bigger in terms of adding muscle, filling out his frame. But, you know, his upside is as high as anybody who stepped on campus. At 6'5", 200 with the way he can move. If he gets to 6'5", 230, 250, I mean, he could be a, a absolute hoss off the edge. So um, I don't know where exactly he stands on East Carolina's board now that he has uh, – he, he's waiting to commit, it seems like, and the Pirates have landed two edge players in, uh, in Kieran Davis and Michael Short. And so I don't know exactly where he sits on the board. You also have some other guys the Pirates have recruited the edge, like Brandon Palmer from Huff. Um, they're also recruiting Makai Buchanan and Ezra Odenjor from Alatoona in Georgia. So all these guys are still kind of out there. They've all visited, and we'll see if the Pirates have room for another edge or not. And, you know, at this point, those are the main names to keep an eye on. 
Um, Raheem Jeter, West Virginia quarterback commit, is being recruited by ECU at the quarterback position. There's also some other guys who have camped. It'll be interesting to see how the running back board shakes out if Trelon Mitchell ends up picking Virginia Tech as expected because I still expect ECU to take a quarterback. I still expect them to take a running back. They're waiting on Klein. Uh, They're also waiting on the other guys we just talked about. And so you've already got 10 commitments. You know, I could see them ending up with 15, 16 high school commitments, if not more. And that's a lot more than I originally projected. Now, you only have 10 scholarship seniors, but at the same time, you got to realize there's always going to be attrition. Guys are going to be over-recruited or just not like it, want to transfer out, et cetera. You know, it just happens. So, you know, you can account for another five, six spots there, probably more. And so I don't have a problem with ECU taking as much top-notch talent as they want to take. As long as they feel sure about these guys, even with the roster crunch, I think you keep taking top-tier talent. And then it all kind of sorts itself out later. But uh, I really like how this recruiting class is turning out. Um, I like that most of these guys already have adequate size for their positions. You know, there's not too many developmental players in this class. I mean, yeah, sure, everybody has to develop in football. Like, you don't just go from high school to college and and become a, a playmaker right away. I mean, those instances are very rare, but I do feel like there aren't as many projects in this class as in past ECU recruiting classes. And that's a good thing because, you know, projects can be very promising. They can have potential, but oftentimes that potential is not realized for one reason or the other. So if you're taking some guys who maybe aren't projects, your hit rate is probably going to be a little higher uh, in that instance in the long term. So really like where this class stands. Regardless of the rankings, the the ratings, I don't really care about that stuff. Like To me, it's more about how does the film look? Did ECU get the chance to evaluate them in person? How do they fit the scheme? Like That's more the... That's more the concern if you're East Carolina. You know, if you're Miami and you're Oklahoma and Alabama, like, yeah, you can get into the recruiting rankings because you got every evaluator in the country, every school looking at these recruits. But I think it's it's more about fit, more about how they're going to pan out, uh, how do they fit the scheme, all that sort of stuff with ECU. You know, did you see him at camp? Why are other schools not recruiting him? Maybe he's an inch or two short, but he can still ball. That sort of stuff. Like, to me, I I like where this class is heading, and I think long-term, if they can add a few of these guys, I think it can really take it to the next level. And then you set yourself up well going into the season. You figure out maybe what you need from the portal heading into 2023, and you go from there. So there's my breakdown on the 2023 recruiting class. Again, as we sit here Wednesday afternoon, 10 commitments for the Pirates for 2023. Double-digit commitments. Almost overnight, ECU goes from zero on June 17th to 10 as of the final days in June. So quite a turnaround in a quick amount of time, and it's been fun. It's been a whirlwind. All right, so the next few days, we're going to be running a special on the site, um, which we're going to have some more uh, VIP coverage, of course, of the recruiting class and all sorts of stuff. Uh, as far as podcasting and a bunch of articles and that sort of stuff, I'm actually taking off on vacation for the first time since pre-COVID and since having a baby. We're going to San Diego, the wife and I, for our anniversary the next few days, the next five days. So uh, this will be the last podcast before then. 
And if you want to contact me on the site, I may be slow to respond, so I apologize in advance for that. I'll still be around, still will have some content up. We'll continue our ECU countdown to kickoff. If there's any, uh, with, with each player numerically, if there's any commitments, of course, we'll have articles up on that. But uh, you guys can take care of yourselves as well on the Crow's Nest message board. So don't go too crazy without me. I'll be hanging around and monitoring as much as possible, but I'll also be enjoying myself in uh, San Diego. All right, that'll do it for the Hoist of Colors podcast. We will talk with you guys next week. Hope you enjoyed it. Thank you.